most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The Gospel for today is from Luke chapter 20. It's the parable of the tenants. It serves as the basis for the sermon today. Jesus went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately, because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. The Gospel of the Lord. When the doctor came back into my little appointment room, my diagnosis was already written on his face. He said, you know, your liver is like the maid for your body. It comes in and cleans up all the toxins, and it filters out and stores up all the good nutrients for the blood to come through and take the, the nutrients and the good things to where they need to go. But your liver, you've got cirrhosis of your liver. You've lost healthy liver cells, and there's this irreversible scarring that's taken place. It explains the swelling in your legs and ankles. It's it's because of your alcohol abuse. So, without a liver transplant, in your case, your maid is pretty much in a coma. And there's no one there to vacuum up all these toxins that now have free access to important organs like your heart. So, 
Without that transplant, you'd probably have a year. No way. This is obviously a simple mistake. I'm not an alcoholic. You've got to be wrong. I'm trying to think of some way to put ourselves in the position of people in the crowd, Pharisees, teachers of the law. I have an attitude sometimes where maybe I expect some things that I would be susceptible to, sickness-wise, illness-wise. Maybe there's some genetic thing that you think certain cancer might be headed your way or whatever. Expectation for that. And you probably have unexpected disease, things you don't think would ever happen to you. What was going on? What was the disease for the people that would listen to Jesus and say, God forbid, may that never be. That's got to be impossible. That's such a horrible story, Jesus. What's going on inside their hearts that you would have an outcome where the Pharisees and the teachers of the law listen to all of this from the physician of the soul and say back to him or respond by looking for a way to arrest him immediately? The doctor comes into the temple. His diagnosis is probably written all over his face. And he says, it's your heart. It's your heart. It's like stone in there when it comes to a relationship with God. There's just nothing touchy-feely for any of the messages that I send to you. There's just nothing responding back. Whenever I open my mouth, I send a servant your way and you pummel him and leave him empty-handed. I send another one and you do the same thing. I do it a third time. It's so bad inside. Even when the sun is sent to you, you slaughter him without flinching. Don't even blink an eye. It doesn't look good in your case. When the owner comes again, the stone will fall. There's no cure for this, but unless there is Christ, unless you have him, otherwise you face nothing but judgment. No, doctor. Dr. Jesus, you've got to have this all wrong. You're not looking at pagans. You're looking at, you're looking at God's picks. You're looking at his choice people. We're not hanging out in the tavern. We're here in the temple. We don't mistreat the message of God. We memorize it. We're in the line of the teachers of this world. Well, you can't possibly be wrong about us. Put yourself in their shoes. They got to think he's lunatic to think that this, this, this is their story. That hymn we just sang and all of its aching phrases of what would happen to Jesus by such a cruel world. They distance themselves from that. There's no way that that could be found in our hearts. Jesus, you've got the wrong people. You have to be wrong about us. What could be the cause for such a huge disconnect between God and these people, Jesus and these people? And to think that we're not talking about some people that don't get Jesus because they've been living off in some jungle somewhere with their wild natural religion. We're talking about the builders are sick. These are the insiders 
these are the ones whose like responsibility is, is to build something solid. Aren't you going to find the right stone for the job? If you're going to hold something up to God and say, this, surely this works. You're going to teach to people a spirituality. Surely this works. You're holding up a stone that can have the right angles for a cornerstone, a stone that would be perfect, a perfect fit in the capstone. We can take the scaffolding away. It's going to hold up just great for a long time. You are taking seriously that stone, and they're going to reject the one stone that works perfectly. The builders are getting it wrong. This tells you and me today, we're not talking about some isolated local jungle problem for them over there. When even the builders are sick, we're looking at the problem of humanity. We're talking about a global problem inside in our core. And that's why we're talking about this now. Perhaps right up there with one of your greatest enemies is our own nature. Before Jesus says in his actions all the beautiful things he's about to say to us during Holy Week, well, let's reflect on this parable of the owner and the tenants in the vineyard listening to this stony story a crushing account, but it's given by our closest ally. Do you notice how this parable begins? It's so like God to do this. It starts with something really good. So there was an owner, he says, a certain, a certain one who planted a vineyard. He planted a vineyard that said, somebody else come in and enjoy it. Somebody else come in and share it. Somebody else come in and work it and, and participate in this productivity, right? He has brings somebody else in. It's just like God. He builds it first, and we get to enjoy it. It just, it just made this for you. It kind of opens up a little bit of that can of worms and say, you are a giving God, first and foremost. Here you go. The, you are the source of this vineyard. You are responsible for its existence. You have invested all the expenses necessary so that this thing can run and function and now you come in tenants to just enjoy and enjoy the blessings of having a job enjoy the blessings of being a part of this work it's a gift first and foremost it's a grace first and foremost right and then you start to see now what is wrong about this relationship and there's just something not right in fact it's not just right it kind of already tells you this is more than just a parable to tell you about good business this is a parable in Scripture that teaches us God's business and his way with us. So he sends his servant at harvest time. Everything's kind of normal so far. The servant comes at harvest time expecting to get some of the fruits to take back to the owner. And they beat him up and send him away empty-handed. What? Has anybody done that? You've done that on a job before? Has that gone very well for you? You expect this? And twice. And a third time. And just as you're sitting there scratching your head, what is going on between tenant and owner? What is going on between this fallen world and holy God? What is going on between people and their Lord? We get the doors opened up and the windows and the curtains drawn back. We get to go jump in and open the box and find out everything that's in the mindset of the owner. You ready for this? We sit inside the mindset of the owner in the middle of this parable as he then says to himself, what should I do? How do I treat these people who have done this three times? 
What am I going to do next? And this is the tell-all. This is the invitation and the way the owner sees this relationship. The owner says to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son, whom I love. Not, not my son because I don't like him and maybe they'll beat him up too. No, it's not like that. I'm sending my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. It's just like, what are you doing, owner? What kind of a relationship is this? But that's precisely the point. As you're learning about God and you kind of sit, sit by the desk of the owner as he mulls over what to do with his business, we understand that this is something bigger than just a bottom line. This is something bigger than just what can I eke out of your efforts? I just want my fruits. Where's my fruits? The owner's after something else. I'll send my son. Maybe they'll respect him. If you had a family member working for you, you know the extra little bit of patience you might get from a fa- you might give to a family member to keep them in the. What's Mike McCarthy all upset about these days? The Packers let go of me, and it was cold-hearted. He said, "I didn't see it coming. They wasn't warm. They just sat down in the office. They say that game didn't go pretty, and they wrote me off. And they said all bothered about it. There wasn't any. What are we getting from the owner to these tenants?" I'll send my son. Perhaps we can still make this work. Maybe they'll listen to him. I will up my communication. When you sit in the world of the owner, do you see this persistent pursuit of the tenants more than the fruits? Like the vineyard's just kind of a side thing at this point. This is all about you. What do I need to do to keep you in the business? What do I need to do to keep you working for me? What do I need to be? So he sends his son. And maybe they'll respect him and I can keep them because this isn't going so well. Brothers and sisters, the ultimate word that comes from God is in the son that he loves. It's his highest speech to you. Are you not the fruit? Are you not the apple of his eye? Are you not at the center of everything he ever said in his communication message to you in Scripture? Is the reason he keeps pushing Jesus, is the reason the sermons keep pointing, is it not because It's the greatest benefit to you, just for you. The servants arrive. We get to open the jar on the other side and hear what they're thinking. When the tenants saw him, the son, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Who flipped the script? This story of something warm, the story of something that, treating you like family, treating you better than family, better than my own son, I want you so badly. Who flipped the script? Like, we don't care what he thinks. He's sending his son to us. You know what? That's an opportunity for us to get what we want. How do they approach this owner? He's put all this investment in his vineyard, but you know what? He'll just walk away. We kill the son. He's not going to come over here. He's a big softy in the sky. 
not going to hold us accountable. He doesn't really care about this vineyard. That's how they're treating this. They are viewing this as not a rented vineyard. They're already viewing this as their rights, as their freedom, as their freedom to do what they want, as their freedom to pursue their happiness. That's how they're approaching this relationship and never to be held accountable for it. We can even kill the son. He won't care. He's just going to stay far away like he always has, and we'll just enjoy the vineyard for the rest of our lives. That's how they're telling the story. Does that sound familiar at all? That's how they're telling the story, a life without accountability, that nobody has to be watching over my shoulder. If you've been thinking, or if somebody you know has been thinking, the church is all about money. You know, they keep talking, they keep finding ways, they keep passing that plate, you know, they really just care about the bottom line. And we communicated something different, I hope. If you're thinking that we're just a bunch of moral police and all we, all we want to do is make sure everything looks clean and tidy around here, Outward behavior, let's send out the wickedness watchdogs, okay? We think you might have been wicked in that moment. Look, can we fix that? Can we polish that up? We want to look good. Is that what our church is? Is this what the sermons come out as? I sure hope not, because that's not the message we're intending to say. But this is the flipping of the script. You don't really care about us. A distant God, and I can live life unaccounted. I can be free to do as I want. Tell me what it's like when you look in somebody's eyes. There's this selfless word that has come from God. A selfless word that would call you to lift others up and help them, help them grow, help them shine, help them be loved, help them know how much God loves them. And you look at them and you do what you want, what you want, what works for you, You've manipulated people. You've manipulated the story in your favor. What, you, why, what is this? What are you doing to the servants in the process? Do you change when you come to church or when you're talking to a, a fellow church member? You meet somebody in the grocery store and have a, put a smile on your face all of a sudden and everything's all polished and good. But with other people and other circumstances, I'm free to live as I want. Like the only holy ground is church grounds. And all the other territories, that's not rented stuff. That's my right stuff. This is all life rented. This is all life to be enjoyed here. And how, how often we're running on a different motor. And we insist that this is a place that I'm free. I'm, I'm in the bleachers. I could, I'm tailgating. I could live. I can just talk what I want. We're in the car. Who cares what I say out of my mouth? I'm not going to be held accountable for this. There's no God listening into this conversation. And on and on the thinking goes. All I have to do is pause for a moment for self-reflection. You, and you feel this. Brothers and sisters, our Lord here helps us to identify not something that's just a temple problem, not something that's just a worship life in the bush. It's a humanity problem. And we know it. I keep trying to be a God. Jesus speaks of parables. How do I tell you diagnose this heart? It's sort of like a tenant. Rock hard when it comes. Today, 
Jesus helps us to deal with the unholy insider inside of us. And he does it in a way that Scripture says the wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a Savior can be trusted too. Where's that spirit that says, speak, speak, servant, give us the words of the owner? Remember this um, Samuel with, with Eli? And God gave Samuel a really hard word to say to Eli because Eli had not been a good spiritual leader. And, and when Samuel is a little bit tentative and hesitant to give the word, the servant is hesitating to go to the tenant. And the tenant, Eli, says to him, a very humble position, give it all to me. If my owner is speaking, my owners don't spare any of the words. Where is that heart, brothers and sisters? The response to this parable is what? Save me. Lord, help us. I don't have that heart. I don't have that heart. And neither do you. But Holy Week gives it. Holy Week works it. Holy Week brings the substitute where sin increased. Grace increased all the more. What is Jesus working so hard to say? As much as he says about the slayers and the sinners in this parable, so much is he saying about the God who knew in advance and still sends his son. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Only my closest ally would say this. Not only my closest ally, but my best advocate and my only atoner. This is what Jesus represents. This is what he brings to the table in this parable as he does every time he sends his servant word. It's for full restoration. It's to bring you back into his presence, to knock out of us that sinful nature, to give us weapons, to put something to death that remains alive to open our eyes and not sleep, to go back into war instead of being at peace and comfortable with who we are. No, fight the good fight to live as God's people. Here comes this parable and the culmination of the owner's love. And we might be drawn to him who is the one capstone. Oh, it's always like this. Can you start to tell the story this way? Whenever God sends his word, whenever Jesus speaks a parable or his servants have come knocking on the door, he's helping you understand life. He's helping you deal with the devil and deal with your sinful nature. Let me coach you through this. Let me cure you of it. He helps us understand suffering and evil. He helps us face death and not be afraid. Jesus always does this through his servants and through his messaging. You just think about how on our side he is with every word that he's ever spoken, that there might be a reciprocated fruit. Say, I trust you, and I love you more than anything else out of response. Doesn't that sound like our first commandment? Not have any other gods? It's, it's a gift of a commandment. And we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Let us be that kind of tenant. Lord, work this in us. Keep talking. Keep talking, Lord. Help us beat up this and live with the unique kind of owner that you are. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you have a favorite parable, but you should know some parables by heart. You should pick one that you can storytell for your own soul and to others. 
something where you have all the details memorized and snap your fingers and I can tell you a lot about this parable and what it means. This is one of those stories. You could talk to somebody about the purpose of life and the goal of God's grace, where life came from and where it's going. We have creation to judgment day all in this section of scripture and you have a beautiful God of grace from beginning to end. Dear brothers and sisters, don't lose this story. Don't let it slip from your heart as long as you live. Maybe a stony story, but it takes you to the capstone. May it continue to feed and help your soul all the way as God continues to pursue you with his word and make you shine in his glory everlasting. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.